Hey everybody, welcome back to our journey through Nehemiah in our series, Broken, Battered, But Building. Uh, that's the season of life we've been through as a society, as kind of the world, um, but it's also the season of life we're coming through as a church. We've been broken, we've been battered, but it's time to reconceptualize what does it mean to be building through all of that. And we find ourselves in the book of Nehemiah, a great Old Testament book about a great Old Testament leader. And we see here that one man risks it all to see God's people restored to God's promises, that God's people could again worship and ultimately be the vehicle for the blessing to the nations that would come and that would be Jesus Christ ultimately fulfilling the promise and covenant made with Abraham way back. And even before that, the promise given in the garden that there would be a man born of a woman who would crush the head of the serpent, the accuser, and reign victorious over that, uh, over him and God's enemy and would reconcile God's people back to him and in harmony in the garden. And so uh, here we are, that Nehemiah, he prays and he fasts for months while he strategizes about how to solve this problem, that the city of God lays in ruins. It's literally been burned to the ground. He then recruits a team to accomplish this work. He generates vision for them. He's started the work. He gives generously of his own time, talents, and treasures, working for free and funding the effort and feeding people. Just awesome to see. Um, many hurdles have come and have been overcome. And uh, <clears throat> the work was getting accomplished. Like a lot had been done. At this point in the story, we see that the walls are are actually finished, um, less the gates and, and the doors. So it's not quite finished, but there's no breach in the walls, which is amazing. And this is often the time when you've gained so much traction and so much work has been done. And right at the end, right when you're in the last little bit, the enemy comes and tries to thwart your effort and make you give up just before the finish line. Just before the finish line, the enemy will try and get you to give up. And in this case, it comes through betrayal. And so we're going to learn today that we, we need to be friends even through betrayal. Even through betrayal of the worst kind. Okay. We learn in the Bible, and this is a general theme throughout the whole of scriptures, that there are two types of people. Those who build and those who break. Those who build and those who break. And so we need to ask ourselves, and you maybe need to ask yourself today, are you somebody that even though you're broken and battered, are you going to build or are you going to break? It's a good question for us today. See, because God builds, God creates, God speaks and creates and forms and people and Satan, the accuser, accuses and destroys, right? That our enemy prowls around looking to steal, kill, and destroy from you, where God is looking to bless and build you and release you. And so uh, we have to ask ourselves, are we builders or breakers? Are we going to be on God's team or Satan's team, the enemy, to destroy? See, it's really hard to build something, but it's really easy to break something. 
And history is uh, defined by those who choose to do the hard thing and build and those who do the easy thing and break, right? And this all, history is defined by the battle between these types of people, okay? And so God's people then should be, Christians should be marked by building the kingdom, business, creating art, music, and culture. We should be people that build up, build beautiful, create amazing things for people to enjoy. And in the life of our church, we've seen that. We've seen amazing people like you come alongside, serve, love, and give to other people. We've seen people contribute their time their, and their talents toward and their giftings towards amazing kingdom efforts, um, both within the organization of Trinity Life and without. And that's been amazing and wonderful to see. And I pray and hope that that would continue for many years to come. And so here we find ourselves in Nehemiah chapter 6, and let's start reading from verse 1. Now, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although, this is in, in brackets here, although up to that time I had not set up the doors in the gates. Sambalot and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, and let us meet together at Hakfirim, in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop? Will I leave it and come down to you? All right, so uh, lots gets revealed. Throughout the course of building something, lots gets revealed once the vision starts to be realized. Okay? Uh, People show their true colors. Those who are invited to do the work either, you know, back out because it gets hard or frustrating or difficult. Like as the vision starts to be accomplished, much is revealed. Those who are all in continue to press all in. Those who have been sidestepping continue to sidestep and it, and lots is revealed. And in this case, it's their enemies, the enemies are continue to multiply and be revealed. And now they're coming um, to frustrate the work right before the finish line of finishing the walls, okay? See, oftentimes, um, instead of humility, like when other people are seeing success, like the, this is successful. Nehemiah has led his people to do amazing things. And lots of times when people start to see success, Envy sneaks in, right? And instead of humility and teachability, a lot of times it's pride and insecurity that bubbles up, right? And start to start to think not only are we just envious of their accomplishments, but we often can be accusatory, right? Oh, they must have cheated to accomplish that. Something in that they must have lied to those people to uh, to convince them to rebuild that wall, right? Well, there must be something off here. This can't be right. So we have to come in, we have to criticize, we have to distract, we have to frustrate, we have to tear it down, right? 
can often come up with excuses. Oh, my situation is different, so I can't participate. Uh, no one understands me. I have special factors, and so you need to uh, change this or change that, right? And the, all, all these frustrations start to come in as the vision gains traction and as the vision starts to be realized. And it's just part of doing kingdom work is that the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. <clears throat> Critics will often tear you down when they see you succeed and they will refuse to learn so that they could potentially see success too or join you in the effort. See, critics will just want to tear it down rather than humble themselves, ask you, submit themselves to you to learn to be taught so that they can see success as well. And hatred strikes a people uh, who, who, who oppose God when God's people receive blessing and are advancing the kingdom. So um, like, not only will it just be frustration and malignment, but it actually be active hatred, right? <clears throat> active hatred. Like these guys are so frustrating. We've seen they come up over and over. They at one point threatened to murder God's people, you know? And one of these guys, um, I forget which of the two, but one of these guys out of the two, Sambalot and Tobiah, they actually were, they were part of the in crowd. Like they, they were one of God's people and they come from the inside to frustrate. <clears throat> and so here's just a word. If you're part of an active church, there will be opposition and frustration. And you will have enemies. And the church organization will have enemies. And the church uh, your community will have people who slander it and frustrate it. And that's just part of the nature of doing God's work, especially when you're surrounded by hostility um, and a culture that doesn't appreciate what you're doing for God. Um, in Canada, this is, this is also just kind of part of the cultural milieu that we're in, right? So in Canada, we want everyone to be the same. We don't if we see exceptional people, we work really hard to, to, to bring them back down, frustrate them, slow them down. Don't get too far ahead. You stay back here. And if people get too far behind, we lift them up, help them. They're the, they're the righteous, poor, lift them up. They didn't do anything wrong or frustrating, right? So let's, let's level the playing field for everyone so everyone's the same. Nobody's exceptional in either case, right? <clears throat> um, and this is, this is partly born out of a spirit of competition, right? A spirit of competition. And that happens all the time in this city. People are striving to be better than one another, have more. It's the keeping up with the Joneses mentality that's in, uh, often pervasive in North America. Um, you can especially see this in suburbs. Um, and it's, it's the spirit of competition. And God's people, are, we do not have a spirit of competition in us. Right. As we talked about on a couple of occasions in our last series. Right. And here's a note on this, too. Uh, God's God's enemies will try and betray and frustrate both from the outside and the inside. Right. They come from the enemies come from the inside and from the outside. OK. And so we see here in verse one, your enemies will come when you're almost finished the work. Verse two, uh, we saw, okay, so they're coming, they're saying this, come meet us, come here, we want you to come here. They're trying to get 
Nehemiah out of there into their own. They want the, they want Nehemiah out of where he is on their terms and on their territory, right? So they could take advantage of him probably. And so, uh, so in verse two, we see your enemies will try, not only will they come when the work's almost finished, but they'll try and get you out of position. You know, you know this in sports, right? Like if you're out of position, that's when the goal is scored against you. You know, you're, you can't react properly. You, you don't, you can't catch up. You can't keep up. And so the enemy will often try and especially in sports, pull maneuvers to get you and draw you out of position. <clears throat> Let's continue on. And I send messengers to them saying, I'm, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop? Well, uh, well, I leave it and come down to you. Okay. Um, and this is, uh, your enemy will try and just get you to stop doing the great work. They'll try and distract you, you know? What what are some distractions in your life right now? Just ask yourself that. What are some distractions in my life that are preventing me from doing a great work for God and for God's people? What are those things? Verse 4, and they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. Right? Maybe the enemy is just trying to keep you busy. Right? So your enemies will be persistent and annoying and send you emails and texts and constantly try and bog you down with meetings about things that don't matter. Verse 5 In the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, It is reported among the nations and Geshem. Uh, also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There's a king in Judah. And now the king uh, will hear of these reports. That's the king in ba- uh, Babylon, King Artaxerxes. So now come and let us take counsel together. Okay, so this is what's going on. <laughs> uh Fake news is nothing new. Fake news is nothing new. Fake news came up here. Negative PR campaigns are normal. People love to fight against what they hate as opposed to fight for what they love. Okay. And oftentimes it'll take the place of fake news. And this isn't just, this is, this is just pure, uh, and you see this later. He says, guys, this, you made this up in your own mind. You invented this story. This isn't even real. This isn't even true. This is just verifiably false information. And they're spreading this throughout the region, right? And this will happen a lot. Like people won't want to understand your heart or your motives, you know, um, And over 10 years of leadership, there's been hard lessons on that front. Uh, Oftentimes, I don't do a good job at portraying my heart to people. Um, But oftentimes it happens uh, that if someone's made up their mind, they just don't want to know your motive. And so here they're accusing him of having improper motives. You're going to rebel against King Artaxerxes. You want to be king. Uh, This is why you're rebuilding the walls. You're going to lead a coup against the king. Um, and, uh, and you've even set up religious leaders to aff- affirm your, your royal claim to the throne and so on. Um, he's like, well, what is going on? <clears throat> People won't understand your heart. And they will intentionally misinterpret and blatantly malign you. Uh, 
And here's something that here's something that I've been wrestling with uh, for a while now, and it's this statement here because uh, I think it's I think it might oftentimes be very true, and that is people accuse you of something. It's usually them who's doing that very thing, right? It's like you're prideful. It's like hmm, that's an interesting thing to say. Um, this is and Jesus talks about this right uh, with the plank and the speck. You know, it's like uh, you know, take hey, don't be a hypocrite. Like take take the the log out of your own eye before you try and take the speck out of someone else's eye. Because oftentimes the problem is your problem. You can't even see properly. You got a whole log in your eye. How are you going to take out the speck, right? Or it's hey, you um, you did this that or the other thing or. You're so you're so mean because you did this, that, or the other thing, or stop trying to control me. It's like the thing you just said is you trying to control me from trying to control. It's like, what what's the actual like you often become what you hate. If you hate something so much, you often become that, right? And we see this in our culture. People are so worried about tyranny that they become tyrants, you know? And they, they want to control every little thing so that whatever the other thing is, they're worried about controlling them. They, they fight to and position and joust to get power so they can control it, right? We often become what we hate, don't we? And oftentimes when we accuse people of something, it's often us that's actually doing that thing. It's a very strange thing in culture. And this is what these guys, Sambalot and Tobiah, are doing. Like they would rather be king in Judah. They would rather be the rulers in that region. And so they're accusing Nehemiah. Yeah, you just want to be king, don't you? It's like, (laughs) that's probably what they want, you know? Often watch out too, right? Watch out too. If you ever accuse anybody of anything, be careful. See, a humble person says, Hey, something came up. Um, I wasn't sure about it. Can we talk? Uh, it made me feel a certain way when this happened, and I just want to just want to check in. I just want to see how it's going. I just can you verify some facts for me, or can you help me understand something? What did it mean when you said this or did that? What did that mean? What was your heart? Right. But be careful if you come in guns blazing and accusing. It won't go. It won't go well. And oftentimes, it's probably you that actually is doing the thing that you're worried about because and here's the thing so when the the serpent comes in the garden he comes as the accuser right that's another way to um to formulate the word satan right the accuser Um, and so we don't want to be people that accuse right we want to be people that come humble submission and teachability Right? And you see it's constantly these guys' issue. They don't come and say, hey, Nehemiah, what are you about? What are you really trying to do here to build this wall? They just come accusing. You want to be king. You're leading a coup. You're trying to take over. You're, you're betraying King Artaxerxes. Right? But Satan is the accuser, not God's people. Satan is a liar. He makes up fake news. Right? He says, hey, you know, uh, if you eat this fruit, you could be like God. Right? It's like, hey, no, no, let's not get Adam and Eve all confused here and trick them into eating fruit that God said they should not eat. Like, don't make up fake news about what God said, right? <clears throat> and this is why 
accusation, if you make an accusation on somebody, I had a, you know, uh, someone um, in their 60s explained to me, I was, I was accused of something recently. It really was bothering me for a long time. So I was like, that is so, this person knew me. That's so different from uh, my character and my heart. And it bothered me for days. I was like, oh, man, I couldn't sleep that night. And I was just so, it, it, accusation can stick to your soul whether it's true or not, right? You take on this level of guilt or shame, and it can really impact your heart. And, and so be very careful about accusation because you can, you can wreck a person just by accusing them, even if they're totally innocent. And so we want to come in humble and teachable with understanding and patience or else we can really mess people up. Um, and if that's happened to you, if you've been accused of something, um, like, it's okay to take time for healing, for rest, um, to, 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 to heal up and then to re-protect your heart in, in many cases. And so, and guys, just, you know, like your leaders, your leaders will get there. They can be often weary because of accusation. Um, and, you know, you, you probably have to deal with accusation from one or two people. Your leaders are doing that times 10 people, right? And organizational leaders do that times 100 people. Um, leaders of, of nations do that times millions of people. It's really hard to lead things. It's really hard to build things. Constant accusation, constant criticism, constant tearing down instead of helping build, you know? Um, and so let's let's be careful. Let's not be let's not align with the accuser. Let's become like God and be encourager, encouragers, because it's easier to it's easier to tear down than to build. Okay. So most people then won't ever make disciples, but God's people, if we're builders, we will make disciples. Most people quit. Divorce, give up. God's people are faithful and commit and covenant. Most people criticize, but God's people encourage one another daily so their hearts will not be deceived by the deceitfulness of sin, right? Most people won't ever build anything, a marriage, a family, a business, uh, uh, an organization, um, a community, a neighborhood, uh, a house, a piece of art. Most people won't build anything, but God's people are builders for the kingdom and for the sake of redeeming the culture. Verse nine, let's get into this. Uh, yeah, then I said to, to him saying, no such things as you say have been done. This is verse eight, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. Okay, so he's literally like, verse 8 and 9, you're crazy. You aren't seeing reality properly. You're lying and distorting the truth. And your enemies will do that to create a culture of fear. So if you ever see a culture of fear the enemy may be at work. The enemy may be at work. If you see people stirring up fear, we just went through three years of fear. Fear, fear, fear. 
fear from the government, fear from the media, fear from uh, people, fear from leaders, fear from churches. Our own church went through its own season of fear, change, transition, leadership shifts, um, tough relational difficulties, and it was fear, and it was fear, and it was fear, and it's tough, right? And just assume that the enemy is at work if fear is being stirred up in a place and in a community. Enemies want to create fear. God's people will be intimidated, and it says right here what the motivation is, for they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. The enemy wants you to be afraid from building. He wants you to be too afraid to build, too afraid to make a disciple, too afraid to write a song, too afraid to make a new friend, too afraid to uh, to, to get married, too afraid to have kids, too afraid to... Um, Put yourself out there and write a poem. Too afraid to do that open mic night. Too afraid to take responsibility and lead something. He just wants you to be afraid and not do kingdom work. So what does Nehemiah do in the face of all this? He prays. But now, oh God, strengthen my hands. In times where there's fear, you'll be tempted to do less. Take a break. Put this down. Step back. Nehemiah prays, oh God, strengthen my hands. Not to do less, but to persevere even through this intense betrayal. And we haven't even seen the worst of it yet. Now this part is going to blow your mind. And this is where it really comes from within the betrayal. And this is where it gets real insidious and deceitful. Now, when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. Okay, so what's going on here? Okay, so there's a guy. He might be a priest. It's hard to tell exactly who this guy is. He's confined to his house for some reason of which we're unsure exactly about. It might be because, you know, the city is surrounded by enemies. It might be because maybe he's an older guy and he can't, he can't leave his house. Um, and he wants, he wants Nehemiah to hide in the temple. Okay, He wants him to hide in the temple and he wants him to seal himself in the temple, which is not allowed. Okay, It's not allowed. Nehemiah is not allowed to do that or go there in that way. Okay, And so Nehemiah recognizes this as a cowardly thing to do. And so this is what he says. Uh, temple for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? He knows, right? So, okay. They would send once a year, one priest into the Holy of Holies, and they would tie a rope with bells on it around it. Um, because 
If you go into the very presence of God, that is represented by the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God dwelt there. Uh, if you're, if you had sin that wasn't dealt with, you could die. So they would tie a rope around this priest because they weren't sure if he was going to die and they'd need to drag him out because the other priest wouldn't be able to go in and get him. So they tie a rope around him with bells on it so they could tell if he stopped moving and they could drag him out. Okay. And so he knows if I, if I go into the temple, which I'm not supposed to do or go and close the doors, what kind of a man am I that I would even live and survive that encounter? First off, he knows he's not a priest. He knows he's not supposed to see himself in the Holy of Holies. But here's this guy trying to trick him and convince him to do this. He says, first off, it's cowardly. Second off, it's a death sentence. I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Okay, this was... This was... A false prophet, God had not sent him, who was making false prophets. He was taking money to do evil. Okay? Nehemiah figures out the fake news from this false prophet. False news from a false prophet for the sake of false prophets. Okay? A little comment about where we're at in society and culture in our day. We are at a time where trust in the government... And trust in the mainstream media is at an all-time low. It's at an all-time low. It's really hard to know what is true, what is good, what is right, what will cause thriving. And it's really hard to tell who really is in control and what messages are spreading around. Okay? Because false prophets are often trying to make false prophets. Okay? People are skeptical because they don't trust and believe that people's motives are good. We just lived through the largest wealth transfer in history. There's coalescing of interests across government, uh, big tech, uh, big pharma and all that, in which it's hard to understand if people's motives are all in the right place and if the coalescing of values and agendas between all these parties are really lining up for the greatest good for the most amount of people or if a lot of it's false fake news for false prophets right who's benefiting and where's the money going that is often very good questions to ask when you aren't sure of the credibility of the information that's being given to you And here we see, you can't trust everyone who claims to be a Christian. You just can't. Not all believers are actually speaking for God. Not all believers are actually speaking for God. Okay? See, because you have to know the scriptures and you have to know what's right. Right? If you don't know the scriptures, like if Nehemiah didn't know what temple uh, etiquette was, what the temple rituals were, He would have just gone in and he could have just been fallen over dead, right? He knew the scriptures and was able to sniff out the deception, right? And so be careful then, be careful then of Christians who don't regularly participate in community with accountability. Be weary of Christians who aren't in the scriptures, who aren't informing themselves of God's word and who aren't writing it on the tablet of their heart, right? 
Because it's easy to get things twisted around, right? Be weary of Christians who don't submit themselves to godly authority for correction and teaching and rebuke and training in righteousness. Be weary of Christians who complain a lot and criticize a lot and aren't building. Oftentimes, they don't speak for God. And oftentimes, they will lead you to your death. Because the enemy likes to deceive and the enemy is trying to take you out. But God, through the cross, has crushed the head of the serpent and brings consolation and conviction towards kingdom purposes where the enemy wants to bring fear and confusion like we just saw here. See, the number one command in the scriptures that God gives is fear not. Fear not, for I'm with you. For I am with you. And the perfect love of God we see on the cross where Jesus' blood and body was broken and shed for you. So that the, and this, and in this, Jesus declares victory over Satan, sin, and death, where the enemy and the accuser is defeated. The war is won. Some of the battles still wage, however, and so we have to be very discerning. And so what I want you guys to do is, number one, consider, do you trust Jesus and the blood of Jesus for the sake of the defeat of the enemy? Do you want to live in a culture of conviction and consolation from a God and a loving father who gave up his only son for your sake. I would encourage you to trust in that God. And then I have some questions for you to work through with your R3 at home and with your R3 leader. How have you been a critic? How have you been a critic? Who do you need to apologize to for tearing down? And what kingdom work may you have frustrated from the inside? And then the second question is, what can you build? What can you participate in, in building? And so if it's here at Trinity Life, which if you're a part of this church, you're a covenant member here, ask yourself, what's your place on the team? There are lots of spots where we need help, especially in this season, right? Because we've been broken and battered, but it's, it's time to think about building again. Okay, we need a lot of help with social media, video, photography. If you're an artist and a creative, we'd love for your help in those areas. Our music team uh, needs a lot of help. I used to lead that for 10 years, but now I'm doing this and working with our leaders. And so we need help with music so we continue, can continue to write music and set culture and speak and sing out what God is speaking to our church. Um, we need help in disciple making. We need more R3 leaders. Guys, there's millions of people out there who need Jesus and you need to take up the banner of participating in the Great Commission by being a disciple maker. Go make disciples. Let's all respond to that. Many of you, your next step is to make one disciple. Our hospitality team, we need to rebuild that. We need to rebuild our kids ministry. We need to rebuild our engagement with youth. What's your place on the team? What skills, talents, gifts can you leverage for the kingdom and to serve the church. And so there you go, guys. Those are your questions for today. Have fun working that stuff out in your R3s. I look forward to seeing you guys soon. Can't wait for our next leg in Nehemiah.